So shall we go to Beloved Ant? I think so. The 108, only three to go in uh, season one. It's exciting. We're really making it. Uh, yeah, we are. We are chugging along. Um, eight episodes down after this. What, what, do you, what do you have for Beloved Ant? So every single time I watch this episode, I forget that Cheryl's sister is played by Dee from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's, it's very different, actually, to remember her in this role, because this is where we saw her first. She must be really young in this episode. Um, this must be very early on, and I didn't realize that she had an acting career prior to Sonny. But that's neither here nor there. Yes. Uh, probably the best part of this episode is, is Larry's rules for breaking up. Uh, it really defines like, everything that's great about this episode, I think. Yeah, what would it like if it was a mother, like, you'd have to wait, like... Six week. days for a mother. Days for a mother. You can wait one day for an aunt, especially an aunt that doesn't live in the same place. And, and I really like in the scene um, that Larry does not back down. He is very much up for this challenge, and he wants to give this advice. Uh, I feel like any sane human would just totally back away from the situation. They don't want to have any part of giving people advice on when to break up. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Like, he enjoys being asked because it's like a social... He likes being questioned on social protocols, like, as an authority. Like, he thinks of himself as an authority. Correct. And, and he relishes the chance to kind of impart his, his rules to other people. And his body language in the scene totally reflects that. He doesn't raise an eyebrow. When he's confronted with the question, he just goes in for the answer. Yeah. And I, and I think it's great. And it's better for that. So, so my favorite line was when Larry is consoling them. Um, actually, I wrote it down. I don't remember if it's at the funeral home or back at his house. I think it's back at his house when he just starts going, must go on, can't go on, must go on. And he just goes back and forth like three times with that. Yeah, Larry has some great things going on where he's trapped in that awkward situation. He starts uh, playing with his mouth. Yes. Making like shapes with his lips. Uh, which is great. I also like the way he's sitting in that scene. Cheryl and Cheryl's mother are flanking him on the left and right, and Larry is like almost sunk down in the couch. He's below both of their levels, and he's, yeah. he's almost like he's curled up in a ball. And you just like just great physical humor on his part, displaying the like complete discontent with being in this situation. Yeah, that's correct. Um... So one, so one other kind of interesting thing I picked up, which I think is another Curb Seinfeld parallel, I'm actually pretty positive about this, is Larry's talking to Jeff that he once uh, performed for a guy on his deathbed, and he jokes that like, the guy was worse off after he left. Mm-hmm. There is a Seinfeld episode where Jerry does the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I forget the name of his friend. It's some friend who's never mentioned, um, who's like in a deathbed, and Jerry goes in and keeps telling this, like, Story about some other friend named Pachyderm who's like juggling some pizzas or something, and he completely bombs. And like I, I think it's like an exact, like I don't think these two are coincidence. Like I'm actually guessing Larry probably did that in real life and then wrote about it on both Curb and Seinfeld. Yeah, in in truth, I probably believe that what he told in Curb was a real story. Yes, effectively, and the and the Seinfeld just becomes this you know characterized version of or cartoonized version of it. Yeah. I also like his line of, how many of these do you think I can get in my mouth at the same time? And as soon as he says it, Gladys, the old lady, she yells, six! Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, that, that seems actually kind of interesting because he's, he's acting pretty inappropriate 
in a way that you'd think would bring a lot of criticism onto him, but everyone's actually kind of like into it with him. You know, like, like Cheryl's extended family is like kind of enjoying him doing these dumb things. Yeah. And then when he leaves, he gets up and he just starts yelling, everybody stay here. Yeah. And pointing at people. One of the people, I guess his name is, is Brass. Really? He I, points I, at somebody, he's like, Brass, you stay here. Of course everyone's going to stay here. I don't know. I felt like everyone in Cheryl's family should be angry at him for, for doing all that. Exactly. Um, so one of my other favorite lines, actually way back earlier, which, which I kind of forgot in my notes, was when Jeff is telling Larry to get the birthday present for his mom, and they go back and forth, and Larry's like, oh, all right, I'll do it. And he's like, any ideas? <laughs> and Jeff just has such a funny expression on his face. He thinks about it for a second and just, no. No ideas. <laughs> like, he, he's like got like a smirk on his face. Like, how could he be like possibly be less helpful? And he doesn't even say like, oh, I'll help you think about it. He, no. There's literally like no, nothing in his head. Like, he can't. It's his own mom. It's like, his own mother and he cannot he, come up with a present. Oh, he could have at least been like, well, you know, I don't know, but she really likes this or this or this. He's just, no. Like, just could, could not be less helpful. Yeah. And I actually think that that's probably the best part of the, that subplot is that Jeff asks him to do it and has just no idea what Larry should do for it. And then Larry sends on this wild goose chase, which I, I, I thought was okay. I, I, I didn't I, love him continuously asking about like the tape and the scissors and the stores. Like, does he really not know that? Like, like anyone knows what you need to wrap a present. Yeah. I was, I was kind of over it in the first scene, you know, after that first scene with the, with the store clerk. Right, and when I, it was the gas station. It didn't really add anything. Um, it was actually the same scene, just with two different people. Exactly. And then, he, and then he tried to use the uh, the glasses as a bargaining chip in the hotel, and that just backfired and was completely inconsequential until the last scene when he puts on the sunglasses. I almost felt like that whole subplot was almost a time killer. Yeah, I, I didn't think this was that strong an episode either, actually. I, I guess neither this nor Amco were that good in my mind. Mm-hmm. But, but, but season one as a whole is actually one of the weaker Curb seasons, I think. I would agree. And these seasons don't have that, or sorry, these episodes don't have that quality where everything just lines up in the end, especially these last two. No, one, they don't, and two, like, they, like starting in season two, basically all the seasons have, like, that one like backbone plot that carries them throughout the whole season mm-hmm. and season one just doesn't have that at all either yeah you, these episodes are mostly linear uh, there's no sort of convergence there's no sort of linking between them in fact we established that they released them out of order they, they did in fact we caught that ourselves one thing I noticed that I really liked was that uh, Jeff's dad is wearing pajamas with mallards on them <laughs> did not did not notice that. Jeff has some just like ridiculous pajamas on, but Jeff's dad has these mallard pajamas that just made me laugh. Although actually, I did write down in my notes also. It's not really funny. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense that like when Jeff comes in to kick Larry out because his mom's mad at him. Like, why does Jeff wait until Larry's in bed at bedtime to do that? I like, don't know. His mom was mad at him like four hours ago. Like. Why didn't he kick him out at like 8 p.m.? Why does he wait till like he's in bed to do that? It, it just doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, and 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock doesn't seem like it's early enough to sneak out, especially with old people. 
No, you have to be up at like four forty-five. Yeah, old people. Old people wake up early. Five a.m. is like sleeping in. 